Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. And this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Awkward Water Sports Guy podcast, episode 27. Today, we're going to be talking about pricing, which I think going into spring break, this is a pretty hot topic because everyone's getting their pricing together for the beginning of the season and summer. And just recently, we posted on our Facebook group about how do you know when uh, you priced correctly? And there was a lot of good discussion in the thread. So I got with Kevin and said, hey, let's uh, let's talk about pricing today. Kevin? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it's like one of these elusive sort of things, you know, like I always say, it's like a dog chasing their own tail. Uh, you know, people always look at what the guy's doing next to them, and then they want to recreate that success. So generally, what happens is people just copy the guy sitting next to them. And then you got some weird version of operator. And then, you know, five years down the five years down the line, you just have everybody sort of copying each other and taking like bastardized version of what they saw in the first place. And then you get a lot of guys that don't want to, I mean, they haven't moved their prices, uh, you know, since early 2000 or, or the 1990s or some shit, because everybody thinks that, you know, price is always going to be the great equalizer. I've seen in the past 12 years being at Tripshaw, some pricing, uh, some prices in markets hardly move. 12 years. And you can't tell me that insurance went up, cost of operations, minimum wage, everything has gone up, and you're still charging the same amount or, or right around the same amount. And I think what happens is everyone is looking at each other. They're looking at the other operators nearby, and they're saying, okay, well, I got to be at their price or lower because that's how I'm going to stay competitive. In reality, everyone's thinking that way, then the prices will never move up. Someone is going to have to take control of the situation and price himself accordingly. Because I, I mean, you just even last year, I saw operators selling out four or five days in advance and the price wasn't moving. And there's some challenges to changing your price daily or, or weekly. It's just, it's a lot of work. You're, you're out there working and, and you don't got time to be sitting there manipulating the price. But I see people do that. And it's it's a conversation you probably want to have, maybe not weekly, but bi-weekly. I mean, Peak, Peak Pros, uh, they rolled out some dynamic pricing software, no? It's called predictive pricing. I forget what exactly the term the term is. Uh, but yeah, there is some some uh, tool they have. I'm not very familiar with how exactly it works. Do you have any information on that? So I'm not exactly sure 100% how that, how that works. I would assume, and now the nuts and bolts of it, uh, but I would assume it's it's in some way works the same way that hotels and airlines work. 
I'm giving I'm going to give a shameless plug to uh, my software WaveRes, but we're rolling out a dynamic pricing feature, and I can tell you how that works uh, because I was part of the process uh, engineering. I was part of the engineering process of it. But basically, we set rules where as you hit certain amount of tickets or certain amount of rentals booked, then it raises based on a parameter you set. So if you want to say if once you hit your 20th rental book, raise it 25%, you can do that. Or um, let's say that you want to raise it 50% when you hit five tickets sold, you can do that too. You can set up multiple layers. So as just like airlines do, when that first five tickets are sold, it goes to one price, the next 10, another price and so on. I, this is the first simple simple go at it, but I really think that for the busy water sport operator, they have to have something that works in the background. I can't imagine someone like getting done with like a 15-hour day and then sitting and then looking at their pricing. Yeah, well, I I'll tell you man, I forgot a lot of I heard a lot of pushback from um different operators about the dynamic pricing software model. Uh people are really unsure of it. They don't, you know, it range from everything from like not wanting to gouge people and trying to be reasonable for a family. And then also, and I, which I do understand, I'm sort of on the fence with it, but to also to, um, because that's kind of relative, you know what I mean? Like what's affordable is very, it's very relative as far as what your value proposition is. But, um, you know, to the other objection was that they didn't want other people talking amongst themselves, like say it on like a shared trip or, you know, a large charter that people are talking amongst themselves and seeing, you know, what the other person paid or something like that. Again, I think those objections are pretty uh, subjective. So, and it's also all based on like gut. So I don't know where I stand on that. Like when I first got here, I didn't even like the off-season, on-season pricing. You know, I, I always like the idea that there was, um, you know, that you could like set your watch to a, a price point. I mean, not forever, obviously, but, you know, like, you know, like if you go on to, you know, destinywateradventure.com, you know, their prices are going to, it's not some confusing customer journey that the person has to go on to. And then I sort of like roll back my thought on that because, um, you know, I'm inherently greedy. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though. I think consumers are starting to be conditioned with dynamic pricing because hotels, Correct. airlines, yeah. car rentals, all of them are using it. Even Disney is going yeah. to some dynamic pricing model. A lot of attractions and water parks. There's a water park in Mississippi that uh, we had a partnership with uh, on TripShock that had dynamic pricing. So it, I think it's becoming very common now. And for your customers, if they're calling for summer and they say, hey, um, you know, what's your price? And you tell them, oh, it's $200. But, you know, if, if you wait until, you know, before, right when you get here, it could be $500. I mean, the earlier you book, the best rate you're going to get. Conditioning your, your team and even the online travelers to know that prices do change if you do not book. Yeah. And I'll tell you what the other thing is like I uh, another part of me too was I, I took the hammering so much from people that were just shopping solely based on price you know they were just trying to find the cheapest and I just didn't want to be that operator I'm like I don't want to be the cheapest so when something's like in a you know really high demand in summer months like that's not what I want to be I if, if, if my product isn't that much demand then the market's going to dictate that you know my service should be priced accordingly and should be priced higher and I feel like because I'm 
super egotistical that I have the best product, I have the best service. So I want my price to reflect that. And that doesn't always necessarily mean I'm going to be the most expensive, but I definitely want to be up there because, you know, we do have a good product and we do have a good service and we don't use old stuff. And, you know, we do have, you know, we like to put on add-ons and freemiums and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just a value proposition that, you've got to sort of, I think, dissect. And I don't think a lot of operators really dissect it. They just, like you said, they look at market conditions and then they go, oh, well, you know, company A, B, C, and D. Well, it's like, well, company A could have had that price. Like they're not even accounting for inflation. They're like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, which it should be like, then that should be the name of water sports company. If it ain't broke, don't <laughs> fix it water sports. Like, come on, man. What does that even mean? Stop saying that. First of all, you might, everybody might have been following this first guy that was doing whatever, a dolphin watch trip for 29 bucks like is that and he's been set at 29 bucks forever and because people a lot of times when they start in this business because it's based on passion they don't look at how other companies or how other industries figure out their prices and i'm just as guilty of that like i'm you know i'm like oh what are your margins what's your profit margin after like oh no not enough (laughs) so you tell me what how do you think people should set prices I use kind of like a a system. I mean, three words you got to keep in mind. Margin, market, movement. So margin is is basically figuring out what are your costs for each trip and then taking those costs, adding on the profit that you want to make on the trip and then coming up with a price. Depending on if you're a boat tour, jet ski rental, pontoon rental, you need to figure out what your cost is to send out that boat. And I'm not going to go into the details of how to figure that out. I'm sure you can look at your books and understand what that cost is. So once you know how much... (laughs) Once you know how much it costs, how much you need to make on it, then then you have your number. And now you go into market. You know, what is the market charging for the boat? Obviously, if let's say your your number is $200, but the market's 300, then probably can be at 300 and do all right. But if the market, let's say is 150, but you do your costs and you're be at 200, then you need to figure out a way to add value to make sure you get to that 200 number. Otherwise, you're just going to run your business in the ground. You're going to work a lot harder. You're going to go through a lot more equipment basically struggle to stay to stay alive. The next thing is movement, which is occupancy. That's going to kind of go into where the dynamic pricing uh, idea comes in is if you guys are have a really strong demand, then that market price of $300 should go up. So that's what kind of irks me going in the summer when everybody is booked out a week in advance and their pricing isn't moving. Like this is the perfect opportunity to tack on 50, 100, $200 and make up for it. Because just imagine if you have a really, rainy summer you know you might lose 30 40 days Greg, but then you, come on but don't say that dude that's but man, bad juju where's some i know on it man don't talk but about I'm, rainy summer dude Come you killing me but just imagine though if like you missed out on that big opportunity to increase your price 40 50 and then now the the second half of the summer is is rain and, and now but you could have looked at you know that first half say okay great well i used the occupancy to increase my price and demand and it, it kind of levels things out but just goes back there's there's a lot of huge opportunities which you're pricing. Just think of those three words: margin, market, movement. I want to jump on that uh, because I I wonder uh, now. I've never really asked operators. Well, I talked to a couple operators about it, and, and I always ask them like, "Do you figure out? Do you figure your insurance, your dock rent? I mean, not even your your dynamic costs, but your static costs. So just for that boat to sit there." Are you figuring daily what it costs for insurance, what it costs for labor, what it costs for maintenance, what it costs for like everything? And, and you oh, know, I would. Yeah, yeah, I do. 
Yeah, you know, you I would, need to I would know take, every day what your costs are down to the day. I would take my insurance costs for the whole year and then break it out by day. Yep. And then I would take my lease costs, break it out by day, you know, and even do you, do you take depreciation into an account? No, the depreciation on the value of the boat? Yeah. N- no, I, I don't. Maybe I should. I mean, I depreciate I depreciate all of my equipment in that first year when we get it. So it's like more like a write off than it is a depreciating asset. Okay, so you don't you just write off the whole expense that first year. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, be, because I'm still in that growth phase, and then realistically, like that boat should. I mean, I want it to be worth nothing when I sell it. To be <laughs> honest with you, because it's like they're gonna whatever. I think uh, capital gains is at twenty twenty eight percent, and with uh, with uh, the current administration, I'm can only assume it's still going to keep on going up and up and up. So it's like, you know, realistically, that's a tough one, man. Because like when you go to flip that boat at the end of its life, it's just, it's depreciated. You know, it's almost like you want it to be worth zero because that's what you depreciate it down to for that first year. And you got, so then it's like ends up becoming more. So I don't know if you would figure that into like the final product, what it was worth when you would sell it, or if you'd take that depreciation value and add that into your costs at the beginning. I think a lot of times pricing is just, it's something that people just want to set it and be done with it. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to make your most money. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be nickel and diming your staff by sending a guy home a couple hours early. That's not where you're going to make your money. You're going to make money on your upsells and you're going to make money on your price. So yeah. it's, I almost feel like everyone needs to set some time aside every week, even if it's an hour or two, look at your pricing, look at your demand. Are you selling out, you know, multiple days in advance and configure pricing and have have your staff understand that when people call and ask for pricing for next week or next month, that pricing can change. Like this is what the price is right now, but the price can can go up because we charge more when we're, we're busier. I think that's a pretty like basic economic rule that consumers follow. I mean, just like in Amazon, I remember when I was looking for uh, weightlifting equipment for the beginning of the year, there's a an app called Honey. It's a browser add-on called Honey. And Honey mm-hmm. will actually look at Amazon products and show you the price of that product months ago. What did you get for workout equipment? Oh, I got a, a rowing machine nice. and a bench and a, some free weights. I noticed the, the rowing machine was up like $50 towards the beginning of the year from what it was oh, yeah. like in the middle. And I had a feeling that it is probably because people are making New Year's resolutions and the pricing went up. No, the reason for that is because like the the SaaS model for um is taking over the market for like for gym equipment. So like COVID obviously sparked it or like uh like so many other things inflamed it. But like you have products like um, Fight Camp, which is like a like a stationary boxing bag um, that you you know, and it counts your punches. There's like a, like a screen it comes with and they work along with you. Or I, I don't have, it. I've just seen the ads for it. And then uh, the, the first one that really went heavy is, um, I think it's called the Peloton, the Peloton, Peloton bike. Yeah. yeah. Peloton bikes. So they're really starting to, uh, in like really blow up the whole like, um, health and fitness industry. And that's probably why. And then COVID. Yeah. Like every, you couldn't find weights. Like you couldn't find like people were, I saw them on Craigslist, people are selling them used for more than you get. So that, that's why those prices went up. Yeah. People are staying at home and working out. But it is no different than the COVID situation than it is with with what's happening in water sports. When there's a lot of people here, there's high demand, then you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay a premium. Yeah. And if people and- get mad about that, 
then they should be mad with the whole travel industry because that's what you see in airlines, you see in hotels. And well, it's it's also their experience too. So I mean, that's like locally they might get mad. Like I used to get a boat for two hundred dollars. Like, cool man, go to Key West and see what what you pay for a boat. So even Michigan, I talked to an operator in Michigan who was getting like a thousand dollars a day, and they didn't. It wasn't about volume for them. Like they wanted tri tunes with like through fifty, two fifties, and three hundreds on them. Like they and they were like cruising. I think it was like Crystal Lake or something like that, maybe. But they were getting like top dollar for these boat rentals. The only reason this market is the way it is is because it's so friggin saturated even though it's still in such ridiculously high demand like i think we could and it's it's ballsy but i think another thing and i just i get I have so many, I'm terrible with this, but I have so many like great ideas I always want to do, but I just, I'm always like, cause I'm still like in this, like just yeah. letting go of my operation side and actually running my company. So I'm still very much in the day to day bullshit. But I think what people should do is again, take a, uh, a page from these digital marketers. And a lot of times they offer a product and they run They'll run the sale or they'll run their offer rather for a product before that product even exists to see like what what they can get, see what the market is willing to you can get high you can buy high ticket items on online for 10 grand or five grand. And it could have been like the same product that you could have bought three years ago for a thousand dollars. But you know, these guys got smart and they started testing. And they started not only testing their creative and their ad copy and their content, they also started testing their prices. So I think if you are a larger operator with a, with somebody dedicated to doing your marketing or you know that's doing your your office work or you're paying somebody like I would really consider that of running different creatives, ad copies and different pricing and then seeing where you're getting hit because you don't know until you try. So I didn't come up with my pricing structure, power up, you know, Ben bended and I followed that cuz I was like that's actually really good because it's so not only are you you're creating your offer the way he's got his pricing tier, like his tier pricing s- structure set up, he's also testing his offer as well. So if you're seeing people like buying something for like 300 or 350, and then there's other time of year, they're buying it for 700. I mean, there's a real question there is would they have paid 700 for it now? If they're buying it, they, I mean, some people just, they might not have any idea. You have you have no idea until you until you test it. So I th- I think like going into next year as we grow second location I get out of the operations that's something I'm very interested in is is running split tests for pricing and seeing what we can get. I would even say take a week in the summer that has history of being relatively busy and just try the higher price points and to see and see where the thresholds are. We did that last year with a couple of our our partners on TripShock and we were really surprised. We felt like we didn't even hit the ceilings that we set. And the question is like, how do you know? How do you know when you're, when you've priced right? I think 99% of operators don't know when they're priced right. And it's, and I'll tell you, it's not an easy thing to understand. So just because I say you're for that 1% that does have it, just keep in mind that those, that 1% probably worked their ass off to figure that out. Did you did you see my response? Because the way you phrased that, you you said like, "How do you know if you charged enough?" Like past tense. Yeah. Do you see my response? If your if your Rolex fits perfectly, how do you know if you (laughs) charged enough? I I look in the bank, I guess. You know, I'm like, "Our honey, do we need a new Tesla?" You know, can I put a pool on the back? No, I, I'm not rolling like that. Don't let our $10 million studio fool you. <laughs> Here's a question for you. So how do you handle like the price wars? You know that? I, I don't. You don't? No. 
I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just simply not like, I feel like, and it's like it incites a rage inside of me because I feel like it is the piss, most piss poor form of marketing. And I love marketing. So when you're just dropping your price, it's because you fucking do not creatively have the juice to dominate in your fucking industry by providing a top tier product, reaching their co- customers that will pay that price, and actually getting in the in the weeds and and fa- and figuring out what you need to do to so your product is priced properly. Instead, you just go, "Oh, he's fucking a hundred dollars, so I'm going to go ninety nine. Like I think it's just I think it's absolutely stupid, and I think that I think that Apple proved it a long time ago that that is just absolutely it's redundant, and you don't need to do it. Like Apple came out when and all these PCs were like when PCs first were getting going and I might murder this story, but you know, whatever they were selling for $500 and no one, no one thought Steve jobs could sell an out of the box, you know, uh, personal computer for $1,800 and with a closed system at that one that you couldn't even like get into and change. Like it was, it was like, no, this is my computer. If you want it to be 1800 bucks. And then you look at Apple, they're like the best marketers and that's they have the best marketing and depending on who you're talking to they have the best product right now as i stare out at all my apple products so at the end of the day it's like i don't really give a shit what anybody else charges like i'm going to charge what i feel is what my product is worth and then i'm just going to keep on hammering the marketplace and finding my people that want my product at that price so I, again like when anytime someone asks me like about competition i just go i don't no, I'm too busy paying attention to how I can better my product and my service and make it a, a better value proposition for my customers. Yeah, I agree. And let's let's talk about something that I think is going to get Kevin a little little excited. So, uh, Groupon, <laughs> I, I excited so, or angry? Uh, yeah, but a little both. So uh, we or... talked a little, we talked a little bit about Groupon um, maybe five six episodes ago, but I was waiting for this episode to talk about. Uh, Groupon specifically because I feel like Groupon taught us a really hard lesson about price, about what could happen if you if you price yourself so low. We look at how Groupon operated before and how quickly businesses adopted it and quickly decided that this is not a sustainable way of doing business. And I'll tell you, a lot of tour companies jumped on that bandwagon. They offered, you know, half off. They were making almost no money and they've set a precedent. Like some businesses went so hard with Groupon that it took them years to get off of it, to get their- Is that still a thing? Is group, like, I know Groupon exists, but do they still do that? Like, and what's really funny is people that use Groupon still think they're getting 50% off when they book shit through Groupon. I'm like, no, dude, like I would have given you- a better deal than that. Uh, you got you got hornswoggled, my friend. Like I don't, I, I don't even know how that works. You can still do the traditional Groupon where you give a fifty percent off discount or twenty five percent off, and they still do it the old way. There's a lot of businesses that still that still do it. You are trash if you're giving your shit away for fifty percent. I'm sorry. Like there's nothing that Groupon is doing that is that magical that you should be giving your product away. It is fucking trash. Like, look, I'm sorry. Like I've dealt with the people from Groupon and fucking they're trash too. Like it drives me nuts. When I mean trash, I don't mean like, like human trash. As I mean like trash behavior. It's always at the same time. Again, that's somebody that's like thinking that they're getting some like great fucking deal. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm getting a great deal. Like fantastic. Like, and then it's not going to stop after that. Like it's, it, 
like those customers are going to be your biggest pain in the asses. And they're also going to be the first ones to bitch and go leave a negative review on your shit if they don't get like everything their way. Like I just, I cannot stand Groupon. I would never sell. I mean, I'm resold through Viator products, but I don't, I don't do any, I'm no 50% discount or anything like that. What really got Groupon is that they, they just came out of nowhere really like in 2011, 2012. I mean, everyone was just jumping on the bandwagon because man, you can run a Groupon deal and wake up the next morning and have a thousand customers. But, and, uh, and, what, what, I got to ask you a quick question. I'm sorry, but yeah. what, so what cut are they taking? So if they're selling your shit for 50%. What are they, what are you getting then? 20% of your, you get 20, 25%. <laughs> so you're getting 25% of your, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, there's, and there's, there's different, now. they do different models, but that was the original model was basically you get about 25% of your, your retail. I'll, I will say, Kevin, it doesn't work for a lot of water sport companies. It really doesn't. And, but they do it anyways, because they're maybe in, in a way that it, there's a way to, to make it work. I don't know. Like, for example, let's say that someone booked a, a 15 minute jet ski rental. They jacked the price up to make it show that they're getting a good deal, but they're really not. And maybe they're, and then they're maybe hoping when they come down there that they sell them on an extra 15 minutes. Like I've, I've seen those type of deals happen, but when it comes to like digital products, yeah. So I, I think there's some strategic ways to utilize it, but do I really want to go through all trouble, you know, because the last thing you want is if someone coming there thinking that they're getting a great deal, realizing it's not a good deal, and then they're going to get upsold. So how is it going to, I mean, I don't know, like, it just seems like a lot of work for nothing. Have you ever done a Groupon with, with like Sunset Water Sports before? No. Oh, or with, with, with mean, uh, Des- yeah. Destiny, the Destiny ever do a Groupon? No, I never did, but I definitely had a handful of them. I I don't think we, I'm not sure if it was Sunset. I think they tried it for a little while, but I just remember, I, I think it was Sunset. And I think, I just remember just being like wanting to pull my hair out. I'm like, these people are so terrible because they we couldn't upsell them on pictures. Like if we saw that, if we saw they came in through Groupon, like we couldn't upsell them on pictures. Like they just wanted like the bare, like the bare minimum. Like I just, I don't like, I guess like when I look at, when I look at price like that, I don't know, man. Like if I feel like I'm getting something so cheap, I feel like that experience or that product, that's exactly what I'm getting. Like if you, if you get cheap, you know, if you get cheap headphones, you're going to have cheap sound quality. Like, and I kind of like translate, not, not all the time, but I feel like if you get the cheapest, if you go, if you get the bare, like you're going to get, there's something is missing. Like if the whole rest of the market is charging X and then this guy's over here is charging, you know, 10 bucks. That's what I always tell people. I'd be like, look, man, I, when doing water sports or taking a jet ski out or going on a parasail ride, like, Maybe the cheapest is not, you know, it's like, I'm going to go on this bungee jumping or skydiving. Like who's really cutting the most corners? You know what I mean? Like that's, I want the guy with the, who hasn't looked at his parachute in six months and his, whose plane engine is fucking like missing. Like, I don't know. I, I can't understand that, that mindset. Like if I just couldn't afford to go and I, same thing, like I've not like the things are just out of my price range. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can't afford a Rolex, you know, I'm not going to go buy a Brolex or some Chinese knockoff, you know? I, I do have one, one use case where I think it could work. For example, like kayaks or paddleboard rentals where there's, there's high margins. What? Well, I'm just, like I'm just 20 saying, bucks. well, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, for the, for the cost of doing it, you probably could 
you know, because pe- I see people renting them for like $80 an hour. Where? Paddle boards, like on 30A. Really? Yeah. I mean, inclu- I should raise my prices. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 30A. I'm done. You know, so. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I hate that shit, man. Like, yeah, I almost went down that path and then you got me all pissed off about coupon. Like, so here's a fucking prime example of some notoriously preposterous ass ways of thinking, right? So you're figuring out how much you're going to charge for your fucking boat rub. Now, this guy's, this is to my local area. So, you know, if you want to tune out for five minutes, here's where you want to do it. But so Fort Walton charges, is supposed to be like the cheaper market according, you know, against Destin, which I don't understand why. But for whatever reason, we're the value product. You know, we're, we're supposed to be cheaper than Destin, even though it cost us five times as much in fuel. So there's a great example of somebody that was not thinking clearly about what their margin should be. Like, did you like, so if Destin's price is a hundred bucks, my price is going to be 75 when they got to go like all the wear and tear on the boat. All the, I mean, they're going 10 miles and if they're creating a boat from the Harbor, they're going two miles. So what in God's name, like you're renting a boat, you're going to the same place. Why would it be cheaper to go on a longer boat ride. Like I, I just, that, that, that idea to me. Well, the is idea just, is like, that insane. people have to drive to Fort Walton to take the boat out. But I mean, that was the There's 900 fucking hotels. I know, but I'm Island. just saying that was the, that was the way of thinking before, but now there's a lot more and people were used to going to the Harbor to rent. So going to the, going the other way, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, to me, when if they're coming from if they're coming from Okaloosa, they got to drive further. I just yeah. well, I, again, I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree it's like with a, you. Just a, it's some like it's the lunatics running the asylum to me. I you know. No, what I, mean? like I, I agree with you about Fort Walton. I now that now five years ago, maybe I would you know I was somewhat unsure about it, but now I totally agree. I think it's crazy why someone would want to drive all the way to Destin where they can drive you know to Fort Walton well, from Okaloosa Island. Yeah, anecdotally. Do you know how many people think they're staying in Destin when they're on Okaloosa Island? And then all the traffic from uh, all the traffic from Pensacola Beach, if they want to get to, you know what I mean? There's a yeah. ton of hotels out there. Navarre Beach. Like there's a whole market. That, and this is the most amazing thing about digital marketing. You can segment that. You can hit it. You can like, you can tap all these people that, to get to your product, like very specifically and target them from a demographic in such a well targeted way that i mean you don't necessarily have to, so again it's like yeah so it's 30a so they're somehow their waters are better or their pont you fucking struck a chord on that one dude like that <laughs> i mean for the for the casual person man you know what i mean like unless they're like fans of destin which i think that is really starting to fade away the whole like you know let's talk destin crowd like kind of like ruling the roost like people are just coming here for beaches they want you know they, they don't see any difference between a beach on okaloosa island than they do in destin and i guess like at the end of the day like how this all reverts and goes back to pricing is knowing your market and testing the waters and seeing like what realistically what you should be doing so i didn't like kayaks and paddle boards like drive me so bonkers like because they're such a like a low cost item and they are they are profitable but my paddle boards go mostly out on my boats so it's just like kind of like another upsell. So like I had no idea there. So there you go. Perfect example where I just picked a number out of a hat. 25 bucks an hour. I don't know. It seems, you know, feasible. And I was wrong. 
Yeah, but you know, demo, the demographics play in 30A, they're paying probably two to three times more for vacation rentals as they are in Fort Walton. Couldn't you draw from there? If if you do your shit right and you're like and 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 because they're savvy and have more money, well, don't you think those same people would come across the bridge to your product if if you're able to make the mat put the magic dust on your marketing and, and make it seem like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread that somehow your waters are better. The islands are better. There's more to do, more to see, fucking better board, better kayaks, better customer service. Couldn't you draw from 30A? I mean, you could, but if there are a bunch of shops right near your place and a beach, we're talking like, you know, traffic in the middle of in July in Northwest Florida, you're not going to drive to Fort Walton from 30A. I don't know. I could, I could do it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I just like, look, man, I know those islands are back there. And it's like, well, where are you going to go on 30? Are you going to go, you're going to go paddle in the Gulf of Mexico? There's nothing to see. There's nothing to do. Again, man, it's just, I, I to me, I have that, like, to, I feel like that confident, like in my marking that if I were to go hard on pontoons and hard on, or hard on uh, stand up paddle boards and kayaks, like I, you could put together a dope video you could put together a great bunch of photos and great content, you know, blow up your Facebook page with reviews and you just go hard in the paint against them. And then if, you know, again, I guess if you're catering to the best, you want to match your price, you don't want to come down and price to, to, to go that route or do like a price war with that, with that company. But again, I would just try and dress it up as best as possible and make it and, and create a value proposition that makes it worth the drive again, like, like, to, to say that like all paddle boards and all waters are equal, I think it's doing the customer the customer service or the, the customer experience a disservice because I don't I don't think it is. So again, I because I, and here's the thing, man, it, it, it's that I saw this firsthand in Key West so much, man. People came from Miami to do water sports or a day trip in Key West just to experience it. So I really like I like my SEO guy had asked me to like some blog to do some blog shit, you know, like, Oh, like let's write blogs. And so I just started like, like making it like, Oh, you want to take a day trip to Navarre beach. So what's the best, what's the best beach in Destin? Well, it's not in Destin. Cause you don't want to fight through all that traffic. It's in Navarre beach, leave in the morning, skip the traffic. You know, you can go to a little, the locals only sandwich shop or whatever, get your lunch out there, come back at nighttime, have dinner out that way, but experience this beach because it's the best beach. And it's not even in Destin. It's in Navarre. So I, I feel like if you can get that message out there here enough, like so many people would make that day trip to Key West from Miami. And I'm granted, I mean, Key West is, it's like an island, right? It's like people feel like they're driving from Miami to, to Hawaii. But again, like I, uh, Key West is comparatively is not as great as Hawaii, but still somebody somewhere like got that idea of having day trips down to Key West. And it just like solely became a thing. So, I mean, I think there's enough that you could eke that out to judge like you could take that same um that same strategy and apply it locally and get and get people to 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 come to you or make that drive because convenience and price is is not the only determining factor when making a purchase decision though i could be wrong convenience and price i I mean yeah i'm wrong i'm wrong a lot i I mean (laughs) i i get it i get it man you know but but at the same point in time it's like you look at strat. Look at the uh, what's it called? The stratosphere in Las Vegas. That's like a goddamn kid's dream, man. You know, it's got. Uh, it's called the stratosphere, right? That that Vegas hotel. It's got the rides on the top of it. Uh, I don't know. You don't know what I'm talking no, about? No, I know there's like uh, what's that? Carn the carnival or what do they call that thing? 
No, Circus Circus. Circus. No, no. no okay. No. Well. The, the Stratosphere is like a 120-story hotel, and it's got like these rides that like shoot like off the top of it, but it's all the way at the end of the strip. Like you can't get no. out and like walk to the hotels. You know what I mean? It's all the way at the end of the strip. But still, like they have this little kind of like niche thing that they got going on at their hotel that really nobody else does. So it's like, you know, maybe it's a curiosity. Is there enough of the market there that you can gain that piece of it to stay super profitable and super busy based on those curiosities? And I think, yeah, I think there's always going to be a demographic for your product. So, you know, again, bring it right back to price. It's like, how do you reach those people? How do you talk to them? Because it's not like you need 99% of the market to, to live and thrive and be a successful company. You might only need 10%. It's just how you curate that message and 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 wrap, you know and encapsulate all of those things: price, convenience, you know, offering. And you don't know what convenience because convenience is not a universal thing. Like they might be one to make. And again, the traffic thing: how many first timers do we have here? You know, I, I think again that's taking like I think that's uh, taking like a, a piece of inform of information to an uninitiated person, and then and then applying that to them. Like, oh, there's no way they'd want to drive in this traffic. Do they know about it? Is it their first time? You know what I mean? Can you you know what I'm saying? Like, so you might I don't know. You don't know unless you test. So it brings me back to that point again. Like, if you test these things and you might be surprised at what you find out, how much they're willing to pay, how far they're willing to drive, and what they're willing to do to get their greedy little hands on my amazing offer. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my Groupon story for TripShock? No, but I want to know it. Okay. You love the story, the TripShock story. So, I right, do. so the Groupon rep called me, and this is two years in. So she called me up, and Groupon was like really hot. Everyone was doing it. So I wanted to jump on the bandwagon. And she's like, yeah, this, this is going to be one of the best deals we ever do. I want to do um, $100 promotional cards, like TripShot gift cards. And I said, okay. And she told me I'm only going to make $25. But she's like, well, don't worry, because we have this data showing that these people that buy three times likely to come back and book more. And they gave me all these figures, which turned out to be bullshit. And she's like, and, don't, and we're going to limit it to just two per family. I said, okay, fine. So she she convinced me to give 500, do 500 of these. Yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. So first of all, the whole two per person, two per family is so bullshit because I was looking at the orders coming in and I would see the people booking and they were not overspending a dollar. I figured maybe they would overspend $50. So I'll get back maybe half you know, maybe $50 instead of 25 of the that Groupon. But no, they were not doing any overspend. They were spending exactly $100. Like we had one tour in Panama City Beach, it's $99 a person. So they bought one gift card for everybody in their family. They used different emails. They did use different names. And I we knew that they were in the same family because when they were redeeming it, we were started to see it. So my staff's calling, you know, the people saying, hey, you can't use this all in the same and there they gave this whole whole discussion about oh well yeah it's two per family but these are this is not my family these are my cousins but obviously you know it's their kids but uh they totally these these folks gamed the system as hard as they could and that's the problem that Groupon couldn't figure out is yeah it's two per person or one or whatever per how many that they're allowed to have but families were buying multiple like these restaurant gift certificates only one per family. No, like these people were using like five different or 10 different email addresses and purchasing them. And, wow. and they were only spending 
the exact amount that they had. So the whole overspend thing was complete bullcrap. Trash. You see what I'm saying? Trash. Who does that? Who goes through that to like cop a deal, dude? Like I would just sit at home and play Uno or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like who goes through that? And uh, I hate Groupon. The sales part of it was where it really went wrong. I was misled by the rep so badly from making sure they're policing how many people could have it. Uh, The overspend was a big lie. No one overspent. These customers never came back. In fact, we had to deal with these customers for years because people would buy. Oh, this is another good one. They would buy them, use them, and then they would claim the following year that they didn't use it yet when we already had Mm. proof that they did because they would save the voucher and say, and then they would make up some big lie, hoping that we were a big enough company that we would just forget about it and just give them the hundred dollars. So these were bottom of the barrel people that just wanted to leech off our business. It was the worst experience. It was the worst experience we've ever had. And I, I feel like if they would have really came up with the solid offering where they said, okay, uh, we're going to do it the right way. We're not. We're not going to gouge you. We're going to make a sustain, sustainable offer where you're going to make money. The customer is going to get value, and we're going to be able to continue having you because so many businesses did it once and never came back. I don't. You know. And then it's like. And then you gotta. You gotta think like. So I always think about this like really interwoven, connected type of ecosystem for your customers. So it's like once you inject that in your company, then you got their cousins, their friends, their like-minded shitty people fucking infesting your funnel now. And now you're filled with them. You know, like once you like, and it's so hard to get rid of them after that because it's like, like, oh, you know, if, if that's the, if your big claim to fame, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I was able to get this boat for $75 to this Groupon special. And you tell your friend, and they're like, what? That sounds great. You have now another like-minded person fucking game, trying to like game you in the same way. And then they're just always going to be there. Like, no offense. And, 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 you know, I, I love trip shock, but I mean, I see it with OTAs a lot, man. And it's because they are, they're like comparing products and they're comparing prices. It's not all, all the time, but if, if, if you're like looking, okay, so I'll, I'll go ahead and, 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 and shift that statement. So if you look at an OTA listing and your plan is to undercut on that listing, you are going to have the worst clientele. Like it is not going to stop because if, if all anybody cares about is they compare what they see as apples to apples and you're the bottom price point and they book you, you're never going to get rid of that shit. Like it's never, it's never going to stop. So it, it's like now somebody, now somebody might be on trip shock or trip advisor, not comparing price, but comparing reviews. And people also do that. So if you get those from an OTA and you are a little bit more higher price, they might be looking at your reviews and not looking at your price or just saying reviews and price. You're not the most expensive, but you're one of the most highest reviewed. And, you know, they, they want that. You know what I mean? That you're at the top of the heap, let's say, and uh, on your company and you're at the top there and they view that as being like the, you know, you're at the top of the tier that you're the best. So they might be looking at that too. But I noticed that like, like my customers changed when my price changed and it's definitely something. Yeah. And with, with uh, TripShock, we, we started off as doing some deep discount stuff because that was, we started off right when Groupon was starting to get hot and we thought like maybe that was the future. 
And after the whole Groupon debacle that we had and more of our partners start having issues, I'm like, I stayed far away from the whole Groupon model. The deep discount, I just said that just the deep discounting model. And yeah. now, I mean, every now and then one of our partners will say, hey, let's do a couple dollars off on our tickets. Something small, because if someone's buying an attraction ticket on an OTA or even on a, as on a, on a, a reseller, why would they want to pay full price ahead of time when they can just walk up and do it? So there are some instances where offering a small discount does help get people to book earlier, but I've I've really changed my mindset years ago on on discounting. I want to create higher value. In fact, like for me, I'm commission based. So why do I want to decrease the shit out of the price when I'm going to be making more if I can get my partners more money? And that's why this podcast is so important to me because a lot of our listeners are people like that work with TripShock and work with just work with other OTAs. I want them to increase their price as much as possible. And if there's ways that, you know, they, they can find like upsells and dynamic pricing or just demand pricing, you're going to make more money and it's, it's going to be a less burden on you to pay a, pay a commission. And another thing too, man, and, (laughs) and I, and I have some, like, sometimes I hate to do this because I got to think like somebody thinks there's got to be like somebody listening has got to be like, man, this Kevin guy is getting kickbacks from trip shock. Like, <laughs> like oh, I hate them motherfuckers. Fuck all to OTA except trip shock. This show brought to you by trip shock. <laughs> so, no, Greg's not paying me a fucking red cent, but he does help me out when he need it when I need it. And I'll tell you, I remember I was doing an early bird special when I first got started with these boats and uh, Keone, you're uh, I mean, she's, number one yeah, right hand man op- operation right? manager yeah operation manager well she was like my my market manager when i first got started down here and she told me right off the rip she's like kevin i don't want to like tell you how to price your product but like stop doing these early bird specials you're way too low like you need to raise up your price you know because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing i mean i still don't i just i pretend i read i read i read up on everything right before the show like how to price your product i'm googling it but no so uh you know it was somebody from an ota that was like yeah you should probably raise your prices on this but i always for whatever reason when i have people from certain like from certain otas and and you're not immune i get them from you i mean we get them from everywhere to be fair but sometimes i think that and maybe i'm wrong but i look look at people going like what's the cheapest and then they're like here we go let's book this one and they're fucking like ah get out of here get out of here terrible ota people i mean i'm not, oh, not gonna lie i'm I, starting an ota i love otas by the way i'm <laughs> starting my own i'm not yet ready to like talk about it on the show or anything like that because i you know i'm like the writer who's like always making sure the book's gonna be perfect before i talk about it but i love otas certain ones but how many times Mine. have you been on like a amazon or hotels.com and you're looking at the cheapest you know you, you want to go because you're on a budget I don't do it as much now, but I did definitely did before when I was getting going and it was a yeah. I mean, what, even even when I was a kid, man. I mean, look, I when I started traveling pretty young, and so like I ended up at some really bad. Like I remember the first time we ended up like me and my wife, she's my girlfriend at the time. We ended up in this like shady ass Roche motel in Miami. And I was just like, I learned right then and there really fast with like the bottom of the barrel will get you. And it's been a very long time, man. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like I will still, if they are running like a crazy good deal, like for say for like, like Disney, for example. So it really depends. I'll, I'll do both. But a lot of times I'll stay at the value thing at Disney. I'll stay at that value resort. Cause I'm barely ever there, but 
there's sometimes we go there and I'm like, well, I don't want to be at the parks this time, like whatever, five days in a row or, or whatever it may be. So I want to get a dank, like, you know, resort or uh, a great Airbnb. So it, it just, it, it kind of depends on how I want to shape that at, at Disney. So I, uh, you know, I've, I've gone off the, I've gone, I mean, I've gone, I've gone cheap on there, but I mean, Disney, man, like, you know how we all feel about Disney on this show. They, but the thing about Disney always, is, you know what you're going to get. You matter if you pay yep. fifty or a hundred dollars a day. You know what you're going to get. Yep. So Disney's yep. the king at dynamic pricing. They know when things are they're dead, they're going to put their price yep. lower. But at the same time, it's a whole different because they're an attraction. I mean, they got the same, pretty much the same fixed cost if they have half capacity or full capacity. You know, with the exception Dude. of a, uh, you know. I just had a great idea, man. I think I'm going to like book a dip, trip to Disney like immediately, like right now, so my son can be born at Disney World. Because <laughs> my wife's due like any day now. So I just going to go to Disney World and she can give birth on It's a Small World. Oh, gosh. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, have I ever told you about the movie? Uh, I don't know if I've talked about, I know we've talked so much about Disney. I'm not sure if I brought this movie up on the show, but I think it's called like Futureland or something like that, but it was shot in Disney. Did we, if we talked about this? No. Where they gorilla shot a horror movie at Disney world. There's a, there's a movie. I think it's called Futureland. I could be Yeah. Wrong. There's a movie I, called I, I, Tomorrowland or Futureland or Tomorrowland. Yeah, Have yeah. you seen it? It's with George Clooney. No, 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 okay, no, 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 no. This movie is like a B movie. And they gorilla shot it in Disney World. They went in there like pretending to be tourists. So they brought like high-end DSLR cameras and like really compact but really high quality. Oh, okay. All know. right. Okay. And, and, they, and they went in there and they filmed a horror movie and they did part of it. And I've always thought this when I went in It's a Small World. But they did like this scene where like the guy was like slowly losing his mind at the park and like the, the little animatronic dolls or whatever were like coming to life. So to, uh, to attest to your mom, like as a person that does have i have high anxiety too so i completely understand that that if you're going to have a panic attack at disney world like it's a small world it's the most acceptable place to have a panic attack and realistically that is a fucking horrifying ride it really <laughs> it is. is a little goblin shit man they are so fucking creepy man but yeah tomorrow i think it's called tomorrowland uh, if you ever get a chance dude like they shot it in disney world and then disney didn't know how to like deal with it when it came out they didn't want to like they didn't sue them because they there was a lot of debate about what they were going to do because they had technically like they broke the law the rules or whatever but i i can't remember what there's a whole story behind the movie but watch the movie in the story it is super interesting and super funny oh my gosh yeah, it's great. Well, so. man, we we went to a lot of different directions today, didn't we? Yeah. But well, it was a good show, man. I, we we got to have fun, you know. I think, um, you know, the big thing to take away is those those three things I talked about: margin, market, movement. If you're thinking about pricing yourself, always look at what you think that your experience is worth. Don't look at other people. And I mean, yeah, yeah sometimes you got to look at the market, and you can't be priced, you know extremely over it. I mean, you got to be reasonable, but at the same time, uh, there's times where you can, when occupancy is really high, demand is extremely high. If everyone's still $40 and you can get a hundred, don't let that stop you. Test, test the ceilings. You might take one week just to test the thresholds and yeah, you might lose some money, but for that following week or even the following year, you have some data now to use a lot of companies this past year tested the thresholds and now they have the data 
to really get their pricing where it needs to be. I'm like really proud of a lot of a lot of businesses that put kind of put themselves out there to get the data and now they have it and now they're going to crush it this year. Yeah. And another thing is like, I think it's extremely noble to, to be concerned about the, you know, the price point at which you're at that a family can afford. But at, at the same, at the same point in time, you have to look at, you have to look at the, the, the idea of what, of a strong value proposition, what you're bringing to the table and, and something that Greg mentioned earlier, you know, it's not about being greedy. It's that our industry is extremely, extremely overhead heavy like i when, when someone's like someone's like oh i got a restaurant i'm like <laughs> i was like aren't you cute you know what i mean like every time i turn around like you know just for example today one part of my engine the lower unit went and it's like 2500 bucks you have to take all this stuff in account and another and the, uh, and to the to greg's point earlier about of extremely rainy season or hurricane like these these are not if events, they are when events. So <laughs> I love you too. Welcome to the Awkward Water Sports Guy podcast. Um, oh, you are going to Brooklyn. Okay. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody's got, everybody's in on, on this show today. Um, yeah. So uh, it's not, it's, these are not if situations, they are when, and they are definitely going to occur. And you're you're like you're gonna you're gonna take a kick. Inflation's going to happen. These things are gonna consistently happen, and and people understand this. Like people understand that prices go up. Like there's plenty of families that rent a boat for a thousand dollars. There's plenty of people that pay ninety dollars to go go parasailing. Like you know, our insurance goes up, gas goes up, prices have to go up. I think some some destinations are keeping their demographics lower. As far as lower, they're keeping it to lower income demographics because they're too scared to raise their pricing in fear of losing business. So they're not increasing the the demographics to higher income travelers because they're so concerned about losing that short term business. But if let's just let's just say that the average price for a boat averaged three hundred dollars, and in one year the industry got with it and raised it to five hundred. Well, you're going to start seeing those the ones that can't really afford to come here, or even it's kind of at their max. They're going to start dropping out and going elsewhere. So, yeah, I, you know, well, it's it all comes down to it's like like availability too. You know, you're like, oh, great, we're sold out. I got ten boats out there for a hundred dollars a piece. I made a thousand dollars. Well, if you sold it for two hundred and you were sold out half the day, you know, you're actually making more money because those boats are just sitting there. They're not costing fuel. They're not putting wear and tear on the engine and you're still getting your thousand bucks, you know? So it's like six to one, half a dozen of the other. And you know, it's like a uh, same thing. It's like they always this idea, you know, especially with boat rentals and jet skis, like, well, it's doing better than just sitting there. Like, well, that's not actually true. You know, like if, especially if you're, you know, if you're like, like we talked about like the OTA reliance thing, like if you're a hundred percent reliant on OTAs and, and you're like, you know, they're, that's, they're pumping out your entire, your, your entire uh, catalog. It's like, well, what if you just did it on your own and just had eight out of those 10 boats going and didn't pay 20%? You'd actually be making more money because, you know, so again, it's it's whatever. It's, it's That is your concern that every single seat is not going to be sold out if you raise your price. I say, good. Awesome. You know, keep a, you know, keep a couple lugs still in your boat or whatever. Your, you know, your machine's still running a little bit longer because you're charging a little bit more. And if, the, if you're, 
you know, getting rid of those headache customers, like there's more than one way to skin a cat, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, well, I think, uh, I thought we were running out at like 20 minutes. I thought we were going to be done. I was like, man, did we finish this episode in record time? But no, no, nope. you can't, you can't, you we, can't have an episode about pricing in under 30 minutes. There's just, yeah. And, the, and we can't have an episode where we don't talk about Disney world. I know. I think that's probably like the sixth episode <laughs> we talked about Disney world. Hey, should, they're gonna have to start paying us some money affiliates yeah, maybe sweet sweet affiliate money from disney world <laughs> all right everyone well we appreciate you uh joining us on our uh extravagant episode on pricing and if you haven't already make sure you check out our facebook page the awkward water sport guys facebook page like it and then our our water sport and tour professionals facebook group as well. And we have some great discussion about pricing in there and a bunch of other things, man, it's been a little active recently, that Facebook group. Yeah. And unlike, unlike our boat rentals and jet skis and parasailing, this show is extremely valuable and you're getting it all for the low, low price of nothing. So get out there, like, share, comment, tell a friend, engage us in our Facebook group. Cause that's how we keep on bringing you these sweet, sweet episodes. It's, it's really uh, humbling and amazing for us when to see people in different countries and, and people that listen to every episode. Like That's exactly why we do this, is to provide value and for people to get uh, some great information uh, from this show. So if you want to keep on seeing us, uh, the only fee that we ask that you uh, you pay is like and on our like our stuff, comment and, and share, tell your, share, tell your share. Yeah. That's right. All right, guys. Tell your friend. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep it awkward. You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators to continue the conversation. See you next time.